2012 on radio.org.au. Starting afresh from Christ with Bishop Geoffrey Jarrett. Bishop Geoffrey is the Bishop of the Diocese of Lismore and was appointed to this diocese in 2001. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Pray to begin our catechesis from Psalm 19, the last verse. Speaking of my Anglican background, I remember that that was the standard introduction when I was a boy to uh, Anglican sermons. The uh, minister in the pulpit would begin with that uh, verse of Psalm 19. Bishop Julian, father, sisters, uh, and uh, brothers, and uh, organisers of scene, and all of you who are participants, I'm honoured to be asked to give this catechesis uh, this morning. I think uh, I have a very hard act to follow uh, in Jude's uh, testimony, and uh, uh, he, uh, he touched on many of the things that uh, really touched my heart, um, having uh, struggled my way into the church many years ago, and uh, having found uh, such uh, great joy and delight in life as a Catholic, I would never have uh, dreamt uh, on that day in 1964 when I took this step that uh, I would ever be a priest, uh, let alone a bishop. So I can give my uh, testimony as it were at the beginning to uh, the way in which God's grace uh, reveals itself and works in, in your life. And uh, you look back uh, when you're almost twice the age of June 43, <laughs> not quite there, but getting that way. Uh, look back uh, on uh, a life uh, that is so marked by uh, God's interventions, uh, the interventions of grace. Woody Allen <coughs> remarked <coughs> more than any other time in history mankind faces a crossroads one path leads to despair and utter hopelessness the other to total extinction let us pray that we have the wisdom to choose correctly the wisdom of Woody Allen. Well, perhaps we're not really at a crossroads, so much as a fork in the road, or even two roads that lead to two entirely different destinations. Christ's road, which he walks and leads us on to the Father, and uh, the road which uh, indeed does lead to the loss of everything. We've uh, started on the road of Christ, the road of faith, and we start every day afresh with him. 
we continue in him, we go forth in faith with him to witness to the world, to lead others to him. And uh, that they too can make the right choice on which everything depends. I'd like to uh, remark before I go further in this catechesis um, on something which I think we very easily can take for granted. Our awareness of the power that is actually at work in us, a presence that's filling this crypt in which we're present this morning, that's at work in the heart of each of us, something which we can never ever take for granted, but always be aware of and immensely grateful for. It is the grace, the power of faith. Faith is the very foundation of our life as Christians. Without faith, God cannot reveal himself to us. He cannot make himself known to us through Jesus Christ. Faith enables us to know God. It enlightens the eyes of our hearts to recognize his presence, to see him. Faith is the key to our salvation. St. Peter, as the outcome of your faith, you obtain the salvation of your soul. Faith is essential for eternal life. God gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Faith, to take St. Paul's definition, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction, the conviction of things not seen. So let's be aware of the great gift which is given to each of us. Consciously pray for it to be activated and strengthened more and more. And day by day, learn more about its substance so that Christ can more clearly be formed in us. I love the old act of faith. You remember those acts of faith, hope, love and contrition? My God, I believe in you and all your church teachers because you have said it and your word is true. There's a lovely quote from, uh, <coughs> from Pope uh, Benedict about the power of faith at work in, uh, in our lives as uh, Christians. The generally 
prevailing idea is that Christians have to observe an immense number of commandments, prohibitions, precepts and other restrictions. So that Christianity is a heavy and oppressive way of living. And it would therefore be more liberating to live without all of these burdens. But we know that faith is far from being a burden. I'd like to make it clear that to be sustained by this great love and God's sublime revelation is not a burden, but rather a set of wings. That it is truly beautiful to be a Christian. It is an experience that gives us room to breathe and move, but most of all, it places us within a community, a community of faith, since as Christians we are never alone. First of all, there is God who is always with us. Secondly, we are always forming a great community among ourselves, a community of people together on a journey, a community with a project for the future. All of this means that we are empowered to live a life worth living, the life of faith. This is the joy of being a Christian, that it is beautiful and right to believe. Starting afresh <clears throat> from Christ. It must occur to us <clears throat> that it is uh, Christ himself who is the fresh start. You know, I'm sure, the history of salvation. How God uh, the Father himself at the very beginning made the first start for the world's future, for our salvation. And that a plan was put in progress which took all those ages to come to the moment when that fresh moment, when the Word was made flesh. The culmination of the plan, the fresh and final start, when, in that beautiful phrase from the Book of Wisdom, uh, God's almighty Word leapt down, as it were, <clears throat> from a royal throne. in the still darkness of the night. And the Word became incarnate in the womb of the Virgin. The fresh start announced by John the Baptist, calling everyone to repentance. The fresh start in which he announces, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. After 30 years of anonymity, hidden years, the fresh start made in the words of the Lord's mission announcing the gospel. Repent and believe the good news. 
the fresh start in the Saviour's glorified body on the morning of the resurrection. The fresh start for the whole of humanity from Adam to the second coming. The start which will always be fresh in the waters of baptism. So for every one of us, the constant call to start afresh from Christ continues. Continues the grace of countless starts that have gone before. Our life in Christ is a continuous starting afresh in faith, in hope, in the struggle to banish the darkness with the light that shines from the face of Christ. So in starting afresh in any project, uh, we must uh, be careful, be sure of the foundation on which we are building on the journey. On a journey we must be clear on the course that uh, we're set to reach our destination. We must always uh, be very sure that we know and believe who Jesus Christ really is. Most of you here, I'm sure that you deeply uh, pursue this quest, this pursuit of the person of Jesus Christ in your life. He is part of you, <clears throat> and you are, uh, uh, as St. Paul says, uh, living with the life of Christ. But it has to be so deep in us that we witness to this presence of Christ to others. Uh, Jude uh, is uh, a leader of catechists and uh, as a bishop I so well know how desperately important it is to communicate the basic truths of who Jesus Christ really is to the hearts and minds of, of young people. Um, <clears throat> as well as being the Bishop of Lismore, I'm the Bishop of Byron Bay and the Bishop of Nimbu. And uh, I well appreciate the enormous task of, of witnessing and teaching and catechesis um, and of a new evangelization in those parts of my diocese. There was a flourishing Catholic community at Nimbu and the beautiful church of St. Patrick um, for the best part of a century before Nimbin arrived at Nimbin. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, there are hardly any left now. But we still say Mass in the church for the three or four faithful families. A whole new evangelization and catechesis. And where do we start? We start with the person of Christ. It strikes me um, that even amongst the children in our Catholic schools, many of them don't seem to know much about Jesus Christ beyond that he was a good teacher who did lots of kind things, who talked about love and inspired people and made them feel better and help others. Amongst even many Catholics today, there are those who think that our Lord was a great 
prophetic figure who was put to death for his beliefs. Some admire that he was a great teacher who wisely taught good rules by which we should conduct our lives. <coughs> Some look at him as <coughs> excuse me. Some look at him as a, a peaceful revolutionary, a social activist who led people in the pursuit of a just society. All of those things, they're fine as far as they go. Hardly anybody, it seems very often to me today, seem to understand and believe in a coherent way that Jesus Christ is God in the same sense as the Father and Creator is God, that he was and is the eternal Son of the eternal Father. So we have to go back constantly to not only remind ourselves and deepen our own understanding, but reveal the truth about who Jesus Christ really is. And we need to go back to his own words. True or false? Before Abraham was, I am. The Father and I are one. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I am the living bread which has come down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give is my flesh for the life of the world. I have come into the world that you may have life and have it to the full. The words of Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis makes this point. A man who was merely a man who said the sort of things that Jesus said about himself would not be a great moral teacher. He'd rather, he'd either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil in hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or 
you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronising nonsense about his simply being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So, as we see and understand Christ to be, so we see the Christian religion. If Christianity is false, it is of absolutely no importance. If Christianity is true, it is of infinite importance. The one thing Lewis says it cannot be is moderately important. So the person of Jesus Christ. Just a few days, uh, I don't know that there will be many people here who can remember Paul the sixth visit to Sydney in 1970. I see Father uh, Bishop Julian does. Uh, and he was probably at school then. He was, he was at school in 1970. I was uh, when Paul VI came to Sydney and was in this very building, uh, I had been ordained a priest for uh, five months here in Sydney. I remember it well. But anyway, a few days before he arrived in Sydney, when he was on his way through Manila, he said this, and they're luminous words. Jesus Christ, you have heard him spoken of. Indeed, the greater part of you are already his. You are Christians. So to you Christians, I repeat his name. To everyone, I proclaim him. Jesus Christ is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the king of the new world. He is the secret of history. He is the key to our destiny. He is the mediator, the bridge between heaven and earth. He is more perfectly than anyone else the Son of Man, because he is the Son of God, eternal and infinite. He is son of Mary, blessed among all women, his mother according to the flesh, and our mother through the sharing in the spirit of his mystical body. Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. He reveals the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation, the foundation of everything created. He is the teacher of mankind and its redeemer. He was born, he died, and he rose for us. He is the center of, his, of the history of the world. He is the one who knows us and who loves us. He is the companion and the friend of our life. 
It is he who will come and who will one day be our judge. And we hope the everlasting fullness of our existence, our happiness. Jesus Christ, I could never finish speaking about him. He is the light and the truth, indeed. He is the way, the truth and the life. A passage from the homily of Pope Paul VI of blessed memory. So, we start afresh from Christ. We start afresh also with and in his mystical body, the Church. And what misunderstandings there are about the Church. One of the things that we come to learn isn't it? That it's just impossible to separate Christ and the Church. There is no distinction that can be made between the reality of Jesus Christ and the reality of the Church. And yet we often hear these distinctions, the acceptance of Christ but the rejection or criticism of the church. A, uh, a feeling that the church is somehow a problem uh, and uh, it's, it's, it's a difficulty. That is not the way we believers see the church. And it's very strange for a believer to pursue this difficulty, pursue it as a difficulty of the church. I suppose it's always been an attitude that's been around, but it's never been characteristic of Catholics. Um, I hold in veneration for the sake of him alone, Holy Church as his creation and her teachings as his own. Those words of Newman sum it up. Quite a long time ago when I was a parish priest, I was going through some files of the history of the parish, Cathedral Parish in Hobart. And uh, I came across, uh, at the time of the mission, a brochure. Many years ago, this would be 50, 60 years earlier. And I came across this passage. And it's, uh, <coughs> the passage has uh, stuck in my mind. And uh, I see it as um, an expression of the ideal of earlier generations of Catholics. And I wonder, would there be Catholics in a parish of the future who would express something like this as 
their ideal um, in their understanding of the church. It goes like this. Before I was born, the church gave to my parents ideals of life and love that made my home a place of strength and beauty. In helpless infancy, the church joined my parents in consecrating me to Christ and in baptizing me into his name. The church enriched me in my childhood with the sacraments and the lessons of life that have been woven into the texture of my soul. Sometimes I seem to have forgotten, and then when else I might surrender to foolish and futile ideals of life, the truths of the church taught me, the truths which the church had taught me, became radiant, insistent, and inescapable. In the stress and storm of adolescence, the church heard the surge of my soul, and she guided my footsteps by lifting my eyes heavenwards. When first my heart knew the strange awakenings of love, the church taught me to chasten and spiritualize my affections. She sanctified my marriage and blessed my home. When my heart was seamed with sorrow and I thought the sun would never shine again, the church drew me to the friend of all the weary and whispered to me the hope of another morning eternal and tearless. When I have known the bitterness of sin, the church has believed in me and mercifully she has called me back to friendship with God. Now have come the children dearer to me than life itself, and the Church is helping me to train them for all joyous and clean and Christly living. The Church calls me to her heart. She asks my service and loyalty. She has the right to ask for it, and I will help her to do for others because of what she has done for me. In this place in which I live, I will help to keep aflame and aloft the torch of a living faith. Testimony of past generations of Catholics to what the Church means for, for them. Our foundations for starting afresh in Christ. The Lord himself, who he really is. The church, which he has given to us. His body here on earth, of which he is the living head. Third foundation, from which we start afresh, surely, Surely it must be 
the sacred scriptures, and especially Christ's own words, those words which we must present afresh to the hearts and minds of a young generation in the, in the church. Um, again, many years ago, when I was uh, in my first parish, a little parish up on the, the uh, northeast coast of uh, Tasmania, I was, um, I had five churches in the parish, five state schools, no Catholic schools, no religious sisters or brothers. I was by myself. And uh, each week I visited each of the state schools and talk about starting afresh. <laughs> Lovely little kids, as little kids always are, but they knew nothing. So in my first winter in the parish, I spent a number of evenings putting together a book of basic catechesis, the most basic things. Um, simply put, cheaply produced, the things you, you could use to sort of as pegs to hang basic catechesis on. Still got a copy of it. This is the first edition published by the, Catholic, the uh, Australian Catholic Truth Society, 25 cents. There it is for mine in memory. It's never been out of print ever since I've discovered. In fact, uh, I produced for the Diocese of Lismore a new edition, a copy of which I give to every child that I confirm. And uh, yeah, Melbourne, the Archdiocese of Melbourne, has just produced a new edition of it uh, as part of their um, uh, catechetical series. So there it is. But uh, one of the things that I thought was the most important section of it was simply a presentation of sayings of Christ from the Gospels, arranged in, in sections. What Jesus Christ himself says. First of all, who he is in his own words. Then, his explanation to us of why he has come into this world. I've come into this world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice, saying such as that. Our Lord uh, teaches us, he invites us to follow him. So, taking up the cross, um, leaving everything, preferring everything to him, continuing in his word, um, and uh, putting up with uh, the world hating him, bearing it because a servant is not greater than his master. Our Lord's invitation to us to love and obedience, his commands to us to love one another, all in his own words. Our Lord's own words teaching us about faith. All things are possible to him 
who believes. What our Lord says about uh, repentance, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Our Lord tells us some of the things that uh, he expects of his followers. Enter by the narrow gate. The one who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. And our Lord's beautiful words of encouragement and consolation, which we very easily accept and receive and are grateful for. Ask and you will be given. Seek and you will find, and so on. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. I have called you my friends. In the world you have, will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And those words about uh, the church. I think uh, it would be true to say that uh, 50 years ago, every child in every Catholic school, at least, would have uh, been familiar and know by heart the words of St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 18, 19, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Um, I did a little test uh, a year or two ago, and with grade six children, we, uh, we did have a sheet actually of uh, sayings of our Lord, and um, in each saying of our Lord, we, we left blank spaces just to see how much they, uh, they knew and were familiar. And uh, it was a bit devastating actually. <laughs> with things like, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, they couldn't fill in the blanks. And, uh, you know, uh, even some of the ones that are more attractive and memorable to children, you know, it is easier for a, to pass through the eye of a, than for a man. <laughs> so, those sorts of things. So, the words of our Lord. But for, for us, we can never uh, go very far away from our own reflection and meditation on them. So I, we have to live very close to, to the scriptures, very, very close. Uh, and you, you know that by experience. Um, I have this, uh, this book here, um, the New Testament. I call it my million miler New Testament because it goes with me everywhere I go. Even though in these days you can carry uh, you know, three Bibles in your iPhone, <laughs> complete with deuterocanonical uh, books. <laughs> uh, there's no substitute for the pages and no substitute for the work and the prayer that you've done over the years in your own New Testament. The underlinings, the annotations, the little notes you've made, uh, you come back to it like an old friend because simply it leads you to the greatest of all of your friends, uh, the one without whom you cannot live, Jesus Christ. So, um, together with uh, this 
New Testament, this little compendium of catechesis. Um, so starting afresh from Christ means constantly starting afresh from uh, the scriptures. Constantly starting afresh in the company of our friends. Uh, Marvellous friends we have here on earth, but uh, the wonderful friends we have in heaven. Um, and you would know from making friends with them just what a marvellous variety, a wonderful variety, a rich variety there is amongst uh, the saints. We can all find saints who are very special friends for us. One of the things I discovered when I became a bishop was there were certain places where the children seemed to be discouraged from, uh, from uh, taking a uh, patron in confirmation. I thought that was very strange, so I had a little bit of teaching on the point. And now most of the children would, uh, would be uh, enjoying, actually, they like doing it, uh, thinking of the saints and choosing a saint as their confirmation patron. Um, some years ago, in 2006, um, I, uh, having read about uh, some of the most marvellous uh, witnesses to Christ in, the, in modern times uh, in Mexico, uh, you know, there are great ages of witness uh, through martyrdoms from the early centuries right through to modern times and still today. But uh, in Mexico, in uh, at the, in the late 1920s, there was a terrible trial for the church. And this trial brought forth the most amazing witnesses and the most amazing saints, uh, some of whom have uh, been canonized. I just uh, want to tell you about one of them. You'll all have your, uh, your favorites, but this is one which uh, I'd like to tell you about as a favourite of mine and of many of the young people who came on pilgrimage. Um, it's that period uh, when all over Mexico large groups of Catholics rebelled against the unjust laws of the government which uh, confiscated the church's schools and restricted the freedom of the clergy and freedom of worship. Churches were closed, priests were forbidden to say mass. Um, uh, the regime was enforced by the state army and the Catholic people reacted by, in defence of the faith by forming their own militia units uh, and fought the government. They were called Cristeros or Christ soldiers. It was a name actually they gave themselves. It was a very bitter civil war and went on for over four years. It claimed 90,000 lives, 30,000 of them uh, Cristero militia, as well as many priests and lay people. For many of them, there was no trial, just summary execution. The restrictive laws against the church remained on the books for another 60 years after the war was over. It was a sort of a cold war that continues for another 60 years. The restrictive laws against the church uh, continued until 1992, 
in May 2000, Pope John Paul canonized 25 martyrs of the, Christo of the Cristero War, and in November 2005, another 13 were beatified, most of them lay people and many of them young. So in 2006, we made a Lismore youth pilgrimage to Mexico to visit the places of these modern martyrs for Christ. For all of us, uh, I'm sure it has formed a lifelong memory. We were met and shown around by some of the descendants of the martyrs. And the most moving moments were to do with the story of the youngest of them. A 15-year-old, blessed Jose Sanchez del Rio. He wanted to join he wanted to join the Cristero army, but uh, he was rejected on account of his age. However, he insisted, so the captain allowed him to be the cook for the soldiers. A few months later, he was captured and imprisoned on the 6th of February, 1928. The federal officer tried to talk him over. You're a brave lad. Come with us and you'll do, do better than with those Cristeros. Never, never, said Jose. I'd rather die. I will not join, I will not join with the enemies of Christ the King. You can shoot me. They survived the letters he wrote to his mother and his aunt. I've been taken prisoner and I think I'm going to die. Do not worry, mother. I leave it all to the will of God. Tell my two brothers that they should follow the example of their littlest one. Finally, on the day of his execution, I am sentenced to death. At eight o'clock tonight will come the moment I have so desired. Christ lives, Christ reigns, Christ rules. Long live Christ the King and the Virgin Mary of Guadalupe. 15 years of age. The story of the, this extraordinary period of recent Christian history has not been much known outside Mexico and even within the country uh, since the same party that was responsible for the persecution remained in government for the next 70 years until the early years of the new millennium. The recognition of the martyrs by the church has helped to make it known and just released is a movie telling the story. And there's both English and Spanish language versions. It's called For Greater Glory or Cristiada. Actually, one of the stars in it um, is uh, Eduardo Verastegui, whom some of you might have met in 2008. He was here for World Youth Day.
he's a, a great apostle before life, um, very active in the pro-life movement. Eduardo Rastafi, and he plays the role of one of the, uh, the lay martyrs who is uh, now canonized. So anyone who starts with Christ and keeps starting afresh with him is on a road which will only be like our Lord's own road, whether blood is shed or not. From Pentecost onwards, journeying with Christ can only be the way of the cross, but as the martyrs of every age testify, that's the joy of it and the sure reward. Finally, starting afresh with Christ, with the Church, with the Scriptures, with the Saints. Finally, of course, we start afresh always with Our Lady. She is the mother of the Church and the mother of Christians. I often think of, of mothers like my own. You know, night after night, peeping around the door to see that you're okay. Um, and uh, making sure that uh, the bedclothes haven't slipped off or whatever. This constant uh, regard, this constant attention, this constant seeking of your good, that's, that's Our Lady. And uh, hasn't she been around in the church across all these centuries, peeping around the door? Think of the apparitions, uh, especially those best known ones of, well, Guadalupe, I mean, Guadalupe. What a lesson, uh, what a revelation for today's uh, age uh, when we are struggling with the gospel of life, uh, when we are uh, presenting to the world a, a new evangelization. Our Lady of Guadalupe is uh, a great power to help us. Uh, of Fatima, of Lourdes, or recently, to name but a few, and uh, the greatest. So, perhaps we can leave this catechesis uh, in her hands, as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Radio.org.au For 60 years, the restrictive laws against the Church uh, continued until 1992. In May 2000, Pope John Paul canonized 25 martyrs of the, Christ of the Cristero War, and in November 2005, another 13 were beatified, most of them lay people and many of them young. So in 2006, we made a Lismore youth pilgrimage to Mexico to visit the places of these modern martyrs for Christ. For all of us, uh, I'm sure it has formed a lifelong memory. We were met and shown around by some of the descendants 
of the martyrs. And the most moving moments were to do with the story of the youngest of them. A 15-year-old, blessed Jose Sanchez del Rio, he wanted to join he wanted to join the Cristero army, but uh, he was rejected on account of his age. However, he insisted, so the captain allowed him to be the cook for the soldiers. A few months later, he was captured and imprisoned on the 6th of February, 1928. The federal officer tried to talk him over. You're a brave lad. Come with us and you'll do, do better than with those Cristeros. Never, never, said Jose. I'd rather die. I will not join, I will not join with the enemies of Christ the King. You can shoot me. There survived the letters he wrote to his mother and his aunt. I've been taken prisoner and I think I'm going to die. Do not worry, mother. I leave it all to the will of God. Tell my two brothers that they should follow the example of their littlest one. Finally, on the day of his execution, I am sentenced to death. At eight o'clock tonight will come the moment I have so desired. Christ lives, Christ reigns, Christ rules. Long live Christ the King and the Virgin Mary of Guadalupe. 15 years of age. The story of the, this extraordinary period of recent Christian history has not been much known outside Mexico. And even within the country, uh, since the same party that was responsible for the persecution remained in government for the next 70 years until the early years of the new millennium. The recognition of the martyrs by the church has helped to make it known and just released is a movie telling the story. And there's both English and Spanish language versions. It's called For Greater Glory or Cristiada. Actually, one of the stars in it um, is uh, Eduardo Verastegui, whom some of you might have met in 2008. He was here for World Youth Day. He's uh, a great apostle for life. Um, very active in the pro-life movement, Eduardo Verastegui, and he plays the role of one of the, uh, the lay martyrs who is uh, now canonised. So anyone who starts with Christ and keeps starting afresh with him is on a road which will only be like our Lord's own road, whether blood is shed or not. From Pentecost onwards, journeying with Christ can only be the way of the cross. But as the martyrs of every age testify, that's the joy of it and the sure reward.
finally, starting afresh with Christ, with the Church, with the Scriptures, with the Saints. Finally, of course, we start afresh always with Our Lady. She is the mother of the Church and the mother of Christians. I often think of, of mothers like my own. You know, night after night, peeping around the door to see that you're okay. Um, and uh, making sure that uh, the bedclothes haven't slipped off or whatever. This constant uh, regard, this constant attention, this constant seeking of your good, that's, that's Our Lady. And uh, hasn't she been around in the church across all these centuries, peeping around the door? Think of the apparitions, uh, especially those best-known ones of, well, Guadalupe, I mean, Guadalupe. What a lesson, uh, what a revelation for today's uh, age uh, when we are struggling with the gospel of life, uh, when we are... Uh, presenting to the world a, a new evangelization. Our Lady of Guadalupe is a great power to help us. Uh, of Fatima, of Lourdes, or recently, to name but a few, and uh, the greatest. So, perhaps we can leave this catechesis uh, in her hands, as we say. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou, my Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and in the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Radio.org the sun would never shine again. The church drew me to the friend of all the weary and whispered to me the hope of another morning eternal and tearless. When I have known the bitterness of sin, the church has believed in me and mercifully she has called me back to friendship with God. Now have come the children, dearer to me than life itself, and the church is helping me to train them for all joyous and clean and Christly living. The church calls me to her heart. She asks, my service and loyalty. She has the right to ask for it, and I will help her to do for others because of what she has done for me. In this place in which I live, I will help to keep aflame and aloft the torch of a living faith. Testimony of past generations of Catholics to what the church means for, for them. 
our foundations for starting afresh in Christ. The Lord himself, who he really is. The church, which he has given to us. His body here on earth, of which he is the living head. Third foundation from which we start afresh, surely, surely must be the sacred scriptures, and especially Christ's own words, those words which we must present afresh to the hearts and minds of a young generation in the, in the church. Um, again, many years ago, when I was uh, in my first parish, a little parish up on the, the uh, northeast coast of uh, Tasmania, I was, um, I had five churches in the parish, five state schools, no Catholic schools, no religious sisters or brothers. I was by myself. And uh, each week I visited each of the state schools and talk about starting afresh. <laughs> Lovely little kids, as little kids always are, but they knew nothing. So in my first winter in the parish, I spent a number of evenings putting together a book of basic catechesis, the most basic things. Um, simply put, cheaply produced, the things you could use to sort of as pegs to hang basic catechesis on. Still got a copy of it. This is the first edition published by the, Catholic, the uh, Australian Catholic Truth Society, 25 cents. There it is, the mind and memory. It's never been out of print ever since I've discovered. In fact, uh, I produced for the Diocese of Lismore a new edition, a copy of which I give to every child I confirm. And uh, uh, Melbourne, the Archdiocese of Melbourne, has just produced a new edition of it uh, as part of their um, uh, catechetical series. So there it is. But uh, one of the things that I thought was the most important section of it was simply a presentation of sayings of Christ from the Gospels, arranged in, in sections. What Jesus Christ himself says, first of all, who he is in his own words. Then his explanation to us of why he has come into this world. I've come into this world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice, saying such as that. Our Lord uh, teaches us, he invites us to follow him. So, taking up the cross, um, leaving everything, preferring everything to him, continuing in his word, 
and uh, putting up with uh, the world hating you, bearing it, because a servant is not greater than his master. Our Lord's invitation to us to love and obedience, his commands to us to love one another, all in his own words. Our Lord's own words teaching us about faith. All things are possible to him who believes. What our Lord says about uh, repentance, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. Our Lord tells us some of the things that uh, he expects of his followers. Enter by the narrow gate. The one who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. And our Lord's beautiful words of encouragement and consolation, which we very easily accept and receive and are grateful for. Ask and you will be given. Seek and you will find, and so on. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. I have called you my friends. In the world you have, will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And those words about uh, the church. I think uh, it would be true to say that uh, 50 years ago, every child in every Catholic school, at least, would have uh, been familiar and know by heart the words of St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 18, 19, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Um, I did a little test uh, a year or two ago uh, with grade six children. We, uh, we did have a sheet, actually, of uh, sayings of our Lord, and um, in each saying of our Lord we, we left blank spaces just to see how much they, uh, they knew and were familiar. And uh, it was a bit devastating, actually. <laughs> With things like, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, they couldn't fill in the blanks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, even some of the ones that are more attractive and memorable to children, you know, it is easier for a, to pass through the eye of a, than for a, man <laughs> so those sorts of things so the words of our Lord but for, for us we can never uh, go very far away from our own reflection and meditation on them so I, we have to live very close to to the scriptures very very close uh, and you, probably, you know that by experience um, I have this, uh, this book here, um, the New Testament, I call it my million miler New Testament because it goes with me everywhere I go, even though in these days you can carry, uh, you know, three Bibles in your iPhone, <laughs> complete with deuterocanonical uh, books. <laughs> uh, there's no substitute for the pages and no substitute 
for the work and the prayer that you've done over the years in your own New Testament. The underlinings, the annotations, the little notes you've made, uh, you come back to it like an old friend because simply it leads you to the greatest of all of your friends, uh, the one without whom you cannot live, Jesus Christ. So, um, together with uh, this New Testament, this little compendium of catechesis, um, so starting afresh from Christ means constantly starting afresh from uh, the Scriptures. Constantly starting afresh in the company of our friends. Uh, Marvellous friends we have here on earth, but uh, the wonderful friends we have in heaven. Um, and you would know from making friends with them just what a marvellous variety, a wonderful variety, a rich variety there is amongst uh, the saints. We can all find saints who are very special friends for us. One of the things I discovered when I became a bishop was that there were certain places where the children seemed to be discouraged from, uh, from uh, taking a uh, patron in confirmation. I thought that was very strange, so I had a little bit of teaching on the point. And now most of the children would, uh, would be uh, enjoying it, actually, they like doing it. Uh, thinking of the saints and choosing a saint as their confirmation patron. Um, some years ago, in 2006, um, I, uh, having read about uh, some of the most marvellous uh, witnesses to Christ in, the, in modern times uh, in Mexico, uh, you know, there were great ages of witness uh, through martyrdoms from the early centuries right through to modern times and still today. But uh, in Mexico, in, uh, at the, in the late 1920s, there was a terrible trial for the church. And this trial brought forth the most amazing witnesses and the most amazing saints. Uh, some of whom have uh, been canonized. I just uh, want to tell you about one of them. You'll all have your, uh, your favorites, but this is one which uh, I'd like to tell you about as a favorite of mine and of many of the young people who came on pilgrimage. Um, it's that period uh, when all over Mexico, large groups of Catholics rebelled against the unjust laws of the government which uh, confiscated the church's schools and restricted the freedom of the clergy and freedom of worship. Churches were closed, priests were forbidden to say mass. Um, uh, the regime was enforced by the state army and the Catholic people reacted in defense of the faith by forming their own militia units uh, and fought the government. They were called Cristeros or Christ soldiers. It was a name actually they gave themselves. It was a very bitter civil war and went on for over four years. It claimed 90,000 lives, 30,000 of them uh, Cristero militia, as well as many priests and lay people. 
For many of them, there was no trial, just summary execution. The restrictive laws against the church remained on the books for another 60 years after the war was over. It was a sort of a cold war that continues for another 60 years. The restrictive laws against the church uh, continued until 1992. In May 2000, Pope John Paul canonized 25 martyrs of the Christian of the Cristero War, and in November 2005, another 13 were beatified, most of them lay people and many of them young. So in 2006, we made a little small youth pilgrimage to Mexico to visit the places of these modern martyrs for Christ. For all of us, I'm sure it has formed a lifelong memory. We were met and shown around by some of the descendants of the martyrs. And the most moving moments were to do with the story of the youngest of them. A 15-year-old, blessed Jose Sanchez del Rio. He wanted to join, he wanted to join the Cristero army, but uh, he was rejected on account of his age. However, he insisted, so the captain allowed him to be the cook for the soldiers. A few months later, he was captured and imprisoned on the 6th of February, 1928. The federal officer tried to talk him over. You're a brave lad. Come with us and you'll do, do better than with those Cristeros. Never, never, said Jose. I'd rather die. I will not join, I will not join with the enemies of Christ the King. You can shoot. There survived the letters he wrote to his mother and his aunt. I've been taken prisoner and I think I'm going to die. Do not worry, mother. I leave it all to the will of God. Tell my two brothers that they should follow the example of their littlest one. Finally, on the day of his execution, I am sentenced to death. At eight o'clock tonight, will come the moment I have so desired. Christ lives, Christ reigns, Christ rules. Long live Christ the King and the Virgin Mary of Guadalupe. Fifteen years of age. The story of this extraordinary period of recent Christian history has not been much known outside Mexico and even within the country uh, since the same party that was responsible for the persecution remained in government for the next 70 years until the early years of the new millennium. The recognition of the martyrs by the church has helped to make it known 
and just released is a movie telling the story. And there's both English and Spanish language versions. It's called For Greater Glory or Cristiada. Actually, one of the stars in it um, is uh, Eduardo Verastegui, whom some of you might have met in 2008. He was here for World Youth Day. He's a, a great apostle for life, um, very active in the pro-life movement, Eduardo Verastegui, and he plays the role of one of the, uh, the lay martyrs who is uh, now canonized. So anyone who starts with Christ and keeps starting afresh with him is on a road which will only be like our Lord's own road, whether blood is shed or not. From Pentecost onwards, journeying with Christ can only be the way of the cross. But as the martyrs of every age testify, that's the joy of it and the sure reward. Finally, starting afresh with Christ, with the Church, with the Scriptures, with the Saints. Finally, of course, we start afresh always with Our Lady. She is the mother of the Church and the mother of Christians. I often think of of mothers like my own. You know, night after night, peeping around the door to see that you're okay. Um, and uh, making sure that uh, the bedclothes haven't slipped off or whatever. This constant uh, regard, this constant attention, this constant seeking of your good, that's, that's Our Lady. And uh, hasn't she been around in the church across all these centuries, peeping around the door? Think of the apparitions, uh, especially those best-known ones of, well, Guadalupe, I mean, Guadalupe. What a lesson, uh, what a revelation for today's uh, age uh, when we are struggling with the gospel of life, uh, when we are... Uh, presenting to the world a, a new evangelization. Our Lady of Guadalupe is uh, a great power to help us. Uh, of Fatima, of Lourdes, or recently, to name but a few, and uh, the greatest. So, perhaps we can leave this catechesis uh, in her hands, as we say. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and in the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thank you. radio.org.au